Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. I got the book of Jude open. I love the doxology. I could, I, I like this every day. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages now and forevermore. Amen. Got a great day planned for you. I hope you're having a good day so far. I'm looking forward to spending this time with you. Dr. Alex McFarland is already on our guest line, and I say it's time we bring him on. Alex, welcome. Hello, Bill. How have you been, my friend? I've been well. I've been thinking about you lately, and I've been wondering what's been on your heart the last couple of weeks. Oh, well, God bless you. Um, you know, um, I'm. this is mundane, I suppose, uh, but I'm just thrilled that it's summertime. And <laughs> here it, we've got warm weather and uh-huh. sunshine, and I can do what is one of my favorite things, which is be outdoors. I, I love the outdoors, and so I'm, you know, I've, I've not, it's not terribly profound, but I've just been thanking God for summertime. Yeah, I bet a lot of people feel that way. It is so uh, wonderful just to be out in warm air and to take walks and have more light in the day, that I think makes a profound difference in people's moods. It, it really does. It really does. I was out uh, two or three nights ago. It was about 6.30 p.m., and it was just ideal. I mean, it was a nice breeze. Sun was going down. It wasn't cold or hot. It just felt <laughs> idyllic. Yeah. And, you know, Psalm 19 says, The heavens and earth bear witness to the glory of God. And I was just praying. I was like, Lord, I give you glory. This is just such an awesome feeling outdoors at sundown. And, you know, I praise your name. And yeah. uh, you you were reading from Jude. I love, oh, my goodness, that little 25 verses. Yep. But what a powerhouse, Jude. Uh, the doxology. Bill, in church growing up, did you ever sing, you know, praise God from whom all blessings oh, absolutely. flow? Absolutely, yes. Yeah, the uh, doxa is a Greek word for glory, you know, when we glorify God. And so the word doxology is a word of glory, a logos of doxa. In mm. other words, a word of glory to God. And, and you're right, the, the New Testament book of Jude concludes with two verses that are just so magnificent and majestic, aren't they? They're wonderful. And in verse 21, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Mm. Uh, you know, speaking of Jude, um, whenever you talk about apologetics and defending the faith, I mean, very often, if, if people are familiar with apologetics, they might think of First Peter 3.15, be ready always. But Jude verse 3, I want to bring out a couple of points. It says, uh, Dear friends, I thought it was, uh, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once delivered and entrusted to all the saints or God's holy people. It's interesting. Uh, Jude 3 says, earnestly contend for the faith. In other words, uh, consistently, passionately, effectively, 
proactively stand up for the Christian faith. We are to contend or defend and stand up for the faith. But, Bill, depending on what translation you, you have, it, it might say um, the faith once delivered to the saints or the faith once entrusted to all of God's people. And there's a, there's a, a finality and a fixedness about the gospel. In other words, Christ died for our sins. The apostles preached that he rose on the third day and that we are forgiven by putting our trust in Jesus. And one of the beautiful things, but also one of the things we need to stand firm on is that that message of salvation through Jesus doesn't get uh, revised or rewritten or updated. Uh, we don't put any spin on it. It is the faith once delivered that to go to heaven, we must have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, I was thinking about that contending for it, Bill, and I thought, really, we Christians, we do these things. We present, explain, defend. Present, explain, and even if need be, we are to defend that faith. And uh, we, we don't let it get rewritten or revised. You can't improve on perfection anyway, can you? No, you certainly can't. In my Bible study this morning, we were reflecting a little bit on John six twenty nine. Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. Makes mm. it pretty clear, pretty simple, pretty straightforward, doesn't it, Alex? That, that's right. Um, you know, what do I have to do to get to heaven, right. many people ask. Um, well, we can't do anything, but here's what God says I want you to do. Believe on Jesus Christ. And First John says that very same thing. Uh, this is his commandment. Believe on Jesus Christ, who the Father has sent. And so, uh, you know, I'm so glad for the grace of God that, uh, well, Titus 3.5 says that the grace of God um, has appeared to all people. And uh, we, we need to share that grace and that saving message with the world. Mm -hmm. Alex, when you think of a new believer who is trying to grow in their faith and they're probably not completely extracted from their old world yet, their, their old friends and their old uh, circles of influence, uh, and you're trying to be a new person and a, a new creation in Christ, yet there's still some things that come your way. What would you say to someone who says, so I'm on the golf course, this guy's had, you know, a couple of beers, and he says, then one of those, uh, you know, dumb born-again Christians says, uh, what would be your response? Do you say, well, boy, I'm one of those dumb born-again Christians now, or do you think, uh, given the circumstances, this isn't the right time to engage, maybe I can follow up later uh, if, if I know this person? Um, you know, I think I talk about those as hills to bleed on, hills to die mm -hmm. on, or hills just not to climb at all. Uh, interesting. Well, I, I've always, for myself, prayed that the Holy Spirit would give me wisdom and discernment about uh, when to speak and what to mm -hmm. say. Uh, it's funny, I was with some guys in a coffee shop having a Bible study. This is about 10 years ago. And some people were watching us, and th this guy began to say a curse word. And he, he acted like he was coughing, but he was making this curse word. And they kind of were snickering and... Uh, you know, after a few times, I said, hey, guys, um, join us. You know, uh, if if what we're teaching and talking about is really 
you know, bunk, as you say, uh, we can talk about that. But, hey, we'd love to have you join us. And we got into a, a very civil conversation about the existence of God. This particular guy who started out cursing had read one of the pop atheist books, and we began to talk about the fact that, you know, some of the most brilliant people in all of history, you know, C.S. Lewis, Thomas Aquinas, and Augustine, to name a few, not to mention people like Charles Babbage, the Wright brothers, you know, Jefferson Franklin, and many other scholars we could name, past and present, many of the most brilliant people in history not, were, were not just nominal believers, were devout followers of Jesus Christ. And, you know, it was a witnessing opportunity. But let me just say, um, don't, don't ever be abrasive or confrontational. Um, and, and I'll say this too, like, let's say you're on the golf course and somebody goes, you know, those dumb born agains, um, I, I would definitely say something, you know, like, and, and try to, you know, keep it humorous, but really don't try to debate somebody in front of their friends because, um, for one thing, you don't want to humiliate somebody in front of their friends because that is not going to ingratiate them to Jesus. Say something but be be diplomatic and be warm and and offer the chance to let's let's get coffee one day and let's you and I discuss this further because you know clearly where where we land on the god issue is the most important thing we'll ever ponder that's true and that's wisdom and i appreciate you saying that alex um to not humiliate them uh, especially uh, among other friends uh mm-hmm to feel confident to say something and then to be wise enough to follow up with a, an, an intentional conversation later. Um, have you ever heard of a wonderful guy? He has spoken for us in our conferences, um, Greg Kokel. Oh, yeah. I've had him on the show oh. many times. Yeah, Greg's a great, great guy, brilliant, and not, not only intellectually brilliant, he's just got impeccable social skills. Really? I mean, Greg's a great <laughs> guy. And... Uh, he, he's often, when he spoke for us at Truth for New Generation, he talked about sometimes our, our job is not necessarily to give some whole treatise, but just to put a stone in somebody's shoe. And and I, I totally get what he means by that. When Greg Kokel says, you know, put a stone in their shoe, eh, give them a little something to think about. Mm-hmm. And um, I've had, um, I've probably told more stories on your show than I should. You, you, Bill, you're so gracious with your microphone. I, I love your stories. Oh, well, you know, um, I was in a restaurant one time, saw a guy from high school, hadn't seen him in a few years, and he was with a table full of people, and he said, oh, yeah, I, I know you're a minister now, and I've seen you on television, and I was like, great. And I said, hey, you know, God loves you, and, and uh, they kind of made a joke about, you know, I had radically changed since high school, and I said, yeah, you know, um, when the Lord comes into your life, that happens. Anyway, my friend was a little bit dismissive in front of everybody, and I didn't push it because he was in front of, you know, a table full of people. Anyway, sometime later, I get a phone call, and he tells me the story, and I thought I had really been pretty ineffective at the restaurant, but he calls me up and he says, you know, you didn't know it, but... I was going through a rough time. My business was failing. Marriage was not good. Um, for several weeks, I thought about you and thought about that meeting in the restaurant. And he said, you just, 
you had this peace about you. So I started going to church, and Alex, you need to know I accepted Christ, but it all started that night in the restaurant when you put a seed in my mind. <laughs> oh, Alex, I love this story. Thank you for sharing yeah. that. That is just making my Friday, and I've had a lot of Friday already, so my Friday is <laughs> already made. Thank you so much. Let me take a little break. Dr. Alex McFarland is my guest. You can go to alexmcfarland.com. Amazing, gifted speaker, communicator, author. All right there, alexmcfarland.com. Be right back. McFarland's theme song. It was buried somewhere in the archives, and there it is. Surf's up. Alex, uh, yes. yeah, uh, there's been your music for a couple of years, and we just couldn't find it for a while. I was, you, you I was so gracious. <laughs> yeah. And, and um, hey, what, what's the name of the band performing that? Do We're you, not entirely sure. I'm going to have to do a little bit more home, homework. That And, folks, this goes back a number of years. Bill Arnold and I were talking about playing guitar and music, and I correctly guessed the opening song yes, that was a not, uh, Never Going Back Again by Lindsey Buckingham and Fleetwood Mac. That's right. <laughs> and so, now, here's what I want to do, because um, you play guitar, right, Bill? I play banjo. Yeah. Wow, yeah. very cool. Yeah, I like privacy. Because yeah. when, uh-huh. when you start playing it, you get it. Well, yeah, that's like, I was trying to learn the violin. Okay, so <laughs> I, I bought a violin, and I, I've been playing guitar since I was seven. And I'm thinking, you know, I want to learn to play the violin. Honestly, I wanted to learn to play, like, uh, Silent Night out of the hymn book. Oh, nice. So I get a violin. I think, like, how hard can it be? (laughs) Listen, very. I have a world of respect for anybody that can play the violin. It is, listen, if, um, you know, if, if the guitar is like a first grade spelling book, the violin is like a Ph.D., you know. And so I'm trying to play the violin, and our little dog, Esther, is squealing and squalling, accompanying me. Nice. And Angie says, Alex, can't you play something the dog doesn't know? <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, I um, I only get permission to practice my violin, like, when everybody's gone. Well, you know, the guitar at least has frets, and the violin, yeah. there's nothing. Where, do you, where are you supposed to put your fingers? You're supposed I to know. guess the it, whole time? Look, the violin is not science, it's alchemy. But um, here's the deal. Like, whenever we come to St. Paul and Minneapolis to do Truth for New Generation, yeah. you and I, we got to play something. I'll I'll bring an acoustic guitar. So what what do you like to play? When you're playing for fun, what type of music do you oh, play? Oh, I love banjo? bluegrass. Yeah, really? Yeah, three-finger shrug style. Oh, man. You know, from my home state in North Carolina, a dear, dear Christian man, I met him many times, and he was a devout follower of the Lord, Doc Watson. Does that name oh, ring the bell? Oh, you bet it does. That's huge. Yeah, he he was good. And uh, so um, how about, well, there's there's a lot of hymns we could play, um, but we'll, let's talk about this, and maybe someday. <laughs> Folks, if you're listening to the Bill Arnold Show right now on the Faith Radio Network, here is your chance 
uh, we will come and do an apologetics event, my, my our ministry, Truth for New Generation, and then if we can uh, persuade him to do so, Bill and I will play a song. You on banjo, me on guitar. How about that? Always time permitting. Exactly. Always exactly. time permitting. So, Alex, speaking of Truth for a New Generation, it's a wonderful, powerful ministry you have. And when young people have left their faith or their church, how how long is that window open before you start to lose them more permanently? And I know mm. we need to act quickly, don't we? Well, we really do. And that's why I would just encourage, um, well, first of all, have everybody pray. I mean, we really need to intercede for the spiritual condition of our nation. But I would encourage, you know, churches from the, you know, pastor on down to the Sunday school teachers, Bible study, small group leaders, we really need from, I would say, elementary school up to talk about worldview and talk about the Bible is the Word of God, and there's great evidence for that, and creation, and Jesus Christ, and and also stewardship, that as believers, we are to be good stewards of our life, and that includes our, our mind. A lot of young people that profess Christianity end up having some kind of a faith crisis. We used to say after high school, but more and more it's occurring in high school. In fact, Bill, it's almost like every town where I go to speak, which is every single weekend, I'm somewhere, um, people will say, look, uh, my son used to be a leader in the youth group, but now he's a skeptic. Will you talk to him? And I, I love talking to young people that are having faith struggles because, the, for one thing, the, the fact that they're having a struggle, most young people, um, even those that are having some sort of a a, a crisis of unbelief. They want to come back to Jesus mm-hmm. deep in their heart. They really do. Because I've I've asked many a young person that claims to be an atheist or no longer believes the Bible. I'll say, really, okay, let's. You've decided maybe there is no God and maybe Christianity is false and maybe the Bible isn't real. Is that the way you want reality to be? Or if if there were an answer, if you could find your way back to Jesus, would you like that? And and virtually always, they're like, yeah, I, my professor's an atheist, or I, I heard this irre- irreconcilable question on some blog site, and they've stumbled in their belief, but they don't really want it to be that way. They want they want to find an answer, and that's good because therein lies opportunity. Alex, do you think that some of these younger people never really owned their faith? They were yeah. going along with what the family was believing and saying yes to God, but not really owning it personally. Bill, I think you're right on the money. And there, therein lies part of the opportunity, because I've said to many a young person, I said, tell me, when you were a Christian, tell me, what did that look like? And a lot of times uh, you get kind of a, of a story that says that they went along, you know, went with the flow, but they didn't really have a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. And it, it was mom and dad's faith, and they, you know, went to church or whatever. But it, it really is an opportunity. And, Bill, there there might be some people listening that are not so young and yet might have had a faith crisis. Um, and so many things, whether it's, uh, you know, a death in the family or a financial reversal or, you know, just 
the issues of life. Life is life is a messy, hard, uh, arduous journey. It really is. But I want to say this: all of the troubles of life, they they're not proof that God has abandoned us or something. It it really is just an illustration of how desperately we do need the Lord in our life. And listen, if you can trust in Jesus, who paid for sin, rose from the grave, he's coming again to make all things new. If you, if you will take God at his word and trust a sovereign God with your present and future, then all the questions really do get answered. But if you say, like so many do, Bill, and people say, you know what, there's... You know, infants sometimes get cancer, and there's terrorism, and there's evil, so there must not be a God. Then no question has any answers. I mean, really, origin, purpose, destiny, in a in a Darwinian evolutionary world without God, the questions are meaningless and the answers non-existent. But if you allow for a God who did make things perfectly. But yet there's sin, so God intervened to send his son to pay for sin and make all things new. Then even as hard as life can sometimes be, there are answers and there's great reward who trust God for their future. Well, that was the perfect message for this Friday afternoon, Alex. It really was. Well, God is good. Well, yes, he you is. You know, um, the Lord is so good. And the more I think about it, and Bill, I promise, I'm, I'm not trying to sound sanctimonious or spiritual. Listen, folks, don't have your eyes on Alex McFarland. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Amen. But God is so good to us. I think about so many things. I told you this, but a couple months ago, I got a call from Gary Habermas, brilliant scholar. I mean, literally the, the world expert on the resurrection and ancient evidence for the life of Christ. Ph.D. from Michigan State, a scholar's scholar. I, I, brought, I brought him up this morning in my Bible study. Did I you brought really? up Gary, yeah. And, and you, what, have you had him on, or do you know him? I don't know him. I'd love to have him on. Well, um, I might be able to help make that happen. Okay, great. He, he's a dear friend, and Habermas is literally known around the globe. Well, he called me up one day. We were talking about a conference or something, and we spent like an hour and he just kept talking about how good God is. And, yeah. you know, he, he he had a wife that died at a young age with stomach cancer many years ago. And, you know, he's had his share of hard knocks, as we all have. And I just listened. I thought, wow, I'm on the phone with one of the world's preeminent theologians. And he could wow me with the heights of academia. And I'm listening to this man like a little child. <laughs> Talk about how good God is. Hasn't God blessed us? And you know what? When you praise God, the blues evaporate away. Amen. Enjoy giving God glory. Yeah. Alex, thank you so much. Have a wonderful weekend. Great to talk to you again. Ditto. God bless you, my dear friend. Yep. Alex McFarland has been my guest. You can head to alexmcfarland.com. We're going to take a little break like we always do, but we're going to come back and talk to John F. Westfall. He wrote a book called... Live like there's no yesterday. Discover the freedom of leaving the past behind. It's the afternoon show with Bill Arno. Drive time, drive time. 
I love the passage in Romans that says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. My guest, John F. Westfall, wrote a whole book about this. He shows us how we can overcome yesterday in order to live with hope and gratitude today. He's a self-described world champion negative thinker. Makes me like him already. John, welcome to the show. Hey, Bill. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be with you today. Yeah, I um, am fascinated with your book. I had a chance to look through a whole bunch of it, and uh it's a it's a nice guide to discover the freedom of leaving the past behind. It's something that I struggle with a little bit, and I bet a lot of other people do as well. Oh, I think we all do in some way or another. Sometimes it's the, the we carry good things with us, and then we can't get beyond them. And uh, kind of like child stars who can't make it as adults, and I know. then the rest of us, you know, we we uh, have hurts and betrayals and losses and things that accumulate, and and we drag those with us too. And then pretty soon we find out. I'm not free anymore. I, I don't have any freedom. I'm wow. just carrying this stuff. Yeah, you mentioned in your book that people learn to develop mental distortions to cope with life's difficulties. I thought that was really mm-hmm. good wordsmithing, um, mental distortions. And these mm-hmm. distortions uh, really include black and white thinking. Um, you overgeneralize, yeah. you have high-functioning anxiety, and well as blaming others and blaming yourself. Sure. So maybe, John, you can describe steps a person could take to, to begin to uh, redirect this way of thinking. That's a great question, Bill, because what, what we have is that um, we've all developed ways of handling life, handling situations, uh, the good and the bad that come our way, and we think about things in certain ways, and we don't really give it much thought because it's just the way we see the world, right? And... Uh, uh, like for me, I'm, uh, I'm like you said, I'm I'm a negative thinker. I'm a I'm the king of negative thinking. I'm not a crown prince. I'm the <laughs> king, and mm-hmm. there's nobody out there more negative than me. And 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 I, I go well. I kind of parlay that. I make it work for me. You know, it's okay. And uh, I see problems that are, aren't even there yet. You know, but at least I'm seeing them. And but then I go, wait a minute, what am I missing? What? What's wrong with the way I think? I need to change, and yet it's hard to change because it's what we do. But, but you know, in the Bible, when it when it says uh, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, what that means is our minds have to be changed. We have to think differently, literally, and um, start uh, seeing things in different ways. And so, uh, those mental distortions that you mentioned, which are there, I think all of us have them in some way or another. Um, like all or nothing thinking, you know, if, uh, if this job doesn't work out, I'll never get another job. My life's going to be ruined. I'm not, you know, it's mm-hmm. all over. Or, or if, uh, if she breaks up with me, no one will ever love me again. You just go, whoa, that's kind of a total picture. And instead of uh, starting to think, you know, we have lots of different options in our life and we have choices to make and God gives us plenty of things to deal with that, uh, can turn out differently than the past has turned out if we give it a chance. And so um, I'm learning, personally, I'm learning how to let go of my old patterns and start to uh, allow myself to um, experience some freedom and and really become almost a a new me. I I love that, John, because you you talk about even in the the first 
chapter or so of your own depression and ADHD mm-hmm. and some of your own yeah. negative thinking, which you've already clearly mm-hmm. admitted to. So I, I'm curious how you challenged some of your, um, how you challenged your own mindset that was keeping you depressed and negative. You know, I, I love that word. I, I, nobody's asked me that question quite that way. Okay. But um, the the fact that you, you're saying, how did you challenge it? Exactly. And, How'd you and go up Bill, against that, it? That's, that's brilliant. Man. You're, you're brilliant. <laughs> of course, you know that. But um, the thing is that we do have to challenge our thinking sometimes. You know, just, just because we think something doesn't mean that we're seeing the, the whole picture or that we're even getting it right. Um, uh I mean, we all know people who will argue about something, and they're obviously wrong, but they just keep right on arguing. Right. But, but the idea of do we have the courage to challenge our own distorted thinking? Um, do we have the, the ability to, to say to ourselves, wait a minute, it's not black or white. There's a whole lot of stuff going on here, and God's given us a lot more choices than this or that or nothing. You know, And um, – and just because something bad happens doesn't mean that we're stuck and now everything will be bad from now on. And and I think that we need to begin the challenge, just like you're saying. And and um, sometimes we have to say, um, just because some things went wrong at work or home or something like that, we can challenge the assumption that uh, tells that there's a lot of times that the things we do don't fail. We just forget about that. If, if things succeed, we forget about it. But if they fail, we really think about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you finish your thought, John? Well, go ahead. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. I was just wondering, maybe you can talk about how the Holy Spirit kind of uh, led you to a, a new f- uh, freedom to live with maybe a different kind of energy and hope. Because if you're the, the king of, of negative thinking, that doesn't go away overnight. Oh, no. <laughs> I spent a lifetime investing in that. <laughs> yeah. in, in fact, uh, I used to serve on a board with uh, uh, Robert Schuler, who was kind of a positive thinking guy, you know, in his day. And, uh, and, and remember he sent me a calendar, a possibility thinkers uh, calendar. Mm-hmm. And I had all these pictures of beautiful people succeeding and everything with nice demos and so on. And, and I showed it to my staff and they thought, well, why do you have that? <laughs> You're nothing like it. And so um, they made up a calendar for me at the church where each of them took a month, and they had a picture like the youth pastor jumping off the roof of the building because he was despairing of working with kids, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, those kind of, and, he, and they called it the impossibility thinkers calendar. And uh, it's just for me because I was so weird. But there came a time when I have to go, okay, I'm tired of me. I'm tired of thinking the way I think. I'm tired of, of being grumpy because I'm depressed. I mean, I've been depressed my whole life, but do I have to keep being that way? Or is there actually a way to experience life differently? Um, and, um, and so I started to challenge, like you said, I started to challenge the way I think about things and went, and, and it was almost like God said, you know, this offer in Romans 12 that you mentioned, being transformed by the renewing of our mind, that was made a long time ago, hundreds of years ago. Yeah. That, and the offer has always stood. It's for every generation, for hundreds of years. Why is it that we don't experience it? Why don't we take up on it? The Holy Spirit says, I'll help you do this. 
Mm-hmm. What, do, what do we have to do? We have to get out of the way, basically. We have to stop uh, hanging on to the things that, that keep our minds from being uh, renewed, that keep our lives from being transformed. All right, John, let's move into even a little bit of a lightning round early on in this uh, discussion okay. we're having. So maybe 15 to 30 second answers. Uh, okay. How about this? Positive thinking is easy. Well, it's not. <laughs> is that short enough? That's short, short enough, enough, yeah. Well, I can okay, move on. All right. No more stories. We got that. Boom. <laughs> all right. Uh, positive thinking means you are happy all the time. Oh, yeah. That uh, You know, the thing is, it doesn't happen that way. Even when we're positive, we're not always happy. That's a lie that's out there. That's a, It's something that's said a lot, and there's books. You can buy lots of books about it. You know, if you just think positive thoughts, you're going to be happy. Your life's going to be great. Well, bad things happen. Hurts come. Disappointments are there. People betray us. Mm-hmm. All right. How about this one? Positive thinking protects you from bad things happening. Oh, yeah. See, if we just think only good things, then bad things aren't going to happen to us. I, I've had a lot of friends who, who fell into this one. And the problem is, if we're going to be human, if we're going to care about people, our hearts are going to break. We're going to be heartbroken. We're going to have uh, people take advantage of us. Life is not going to work out. We're going to lose our job. Um, and having a positive mindset, it might help you you know, navigate it, but... It's not going to protect you from the bad things that come. All right, Mr. Dark Cloud, let me ask you this one. <laughs> positive, <laughs> thinking, <laughs> positive thinking means you won't have negative thoughts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, boy, wouldn't that be great? That would be great. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be great? You know, we just have that positive way. We just look at it. Actually, it would probably be, um, we'd be like... Uh, like we just sucked helium balloons and we're floating above the ground and nothing ever happens to us. No, the thing is, negative thoughts creep in because they're part of thinking. We need negative thoughts to to protect ourselves. We need to know if there's danger, if there's a threat. And and they're going to come whether or not we're positive about it or not. Mm -hmm. Positive thinking is a cure-all that forever changes your life for the good. Um, boy, I wish that were true. Oh man, Bill, you should write that book. Um, no, uh, the thing is, the thing is, um, there isn't a cure-all that's going to forever change life for the good because life is filled with good and hard and wonderful and difficult and pain and joy and a whole bunch in the middle. And, and one of the things God gives us is the opportunity to make choices to look at what's happening around us and then choose how we're going to respond and how we're going to live now and how we're going to live as we go forward. All right, uh, John, talk about high-functioning anxiety. I'm not sure I've heard that expression before, but I'm, I'm intrigued. That was, yeah, that was new to me, too, because uh, uh, my life is filled with people with high anxiety. And, um, and nothing wrong with that. We all have fear. And anxiety is a big part of it, and and there is a lot of uh, things that can be done medically and things like that. Um, but there's another part of this, and as I was exploring the whole issue of anxiety, I realized that there are very, very successful people, very smart people, successful people, 
who function on a wonderful, uh, successful level, but they're living in a state of anxiety. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're driven by, by fear and perfectionism and then pulling it together and you know, trying to hold it together and try and act like everything is good. With, you know, remember that old dad, don't ever let them see you sweat, right. you know, that, this kind of thing. And, and their lives are basically driven by anxiety, even though they're not failures by any means. They may be some of the top achievers in our country, in our community, in our church, uh, in our schools. They, they, but they are just uh, choking on anxiety, even in the midst of great success. Mm-hmm. John Westfall is my guest. He's written a book called "Live Like There's No Yesterday: Discover the Freedom of Leaving the Past Behind." When we come back from break, John, I want you to answer this, if you would: what we need mm-hmm. to know. To live like there is no yesterday. That's all coming up ahead in just a minute. John Westfall, again, is my guest. Live like there is no yesterday. Be right back. and regret behind. Then you're ready to live like there's no yesterday. My guest, John Westfall, has written a book called Live Like There's No Yesterday, Discover the Freedom of Leaving the Past Behind. So, John, what what do we need to know to live like there's no yesterday? Obviously, we want to learn from our mistakes and our past and our experiences, sure. but we don't want to live there, do we? No, we don't. And, uh, and we, we spend a lot of our lives uh, kind of dwelling on the past and uh, and and we're a little bit afraid what's going to happen if we leave that behind. What, what, what would a new life look like? What would a new way of – how would that affect our relationships, our work, everything? But you know what? Um, I, I, I had a friend who, who once told me, you know, John, the, the whole message of the Bible can be six words. And I thought, well, that's stupid because, you know, why would <laughs> – you know, <laughs> there's a lot of words in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of – and uh, – and they go, no, 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 this is something to think about. It's only six words. If you get this, you get the whole message of the Bible. And I thought, if this is true, then that's all we need to know to live like there's no yesterday, to live the life that God had intended for us when he made us and what he wants for us as we go forward. Okay, so here's what they are. God loves you. Don't be stupid. <laughs> what what exactly it. does that mean? Well, uh, the Bible is filled with... Uh, different ways that God is expressing love for us. True. And and it's hard for some of us to realize it. You know, we don't feel lovable ourselves. Yeah. Or, or we, and so we hold God at a distance because we're afraid. Or we don't know what might happen. And, and it's hard for us to get the message that God really loves us. Uh, I mean, we might think, oh, God loves everybody else. But but me, that's, that's pretty important. But if we get that, that's huge because if we realize, tangibly realize that God loves us, then we don't have to carry around all this garbage from the past and the hurts and fears and 
failures and regrets and all that stuff. We can let that go because we know we're loved. We're really loved. The second part, though, don't be stupid. Um, people can feel loved by God, and then they go out and do the dumbest things that that hurt themselves, hurt others, that wreck their lives. And I and I like, like God standing there going, "No, don't do that." And we go, "Lord, what do you want me to do? <laughs> don't do that." And and then yet there we go. We get stupid and we and we end up making a mess of ourselves. Now, here's the point. And Bill, this is really important. God loves you. Don't be stupid. But what happens when we are stupid and we really mess up? The answer is God still loves you. <laughs> he still loves you. He's not going to stop loving you just because we do the stupid thing. And as soon as we realize that we can make healthy choices, we don't have to just respond to things the way we've always responded. We don't have to just do what we've always done. We don't have to uh, react to people the way we've always reacted. We can actually make new choices today to respond differently, to think differently, to treat people differently because God loves us. And, and we can start living that kind of freedom. Mm-hmm. And it's very, very powerful. Yeah, I think I heard Tim Keller say um, sin masquerades as stupidity. It's not a very good disguise because they're just kind of obvious in some ways. Yeah. You know, um, it's like, uh, you know, I mean, I've done, I've done my share of dumb stuff over the years. And I, and I sometimes I'll just kick myself and go, what were you thinking? Yeah. What were you thinking? And I go, well, the truth is I wasn't. <laughs> right. Right. So let's talk a little bit about staying in the past and how that can be harmful to trying to move forward. Sometimes your past discomfort is somehow oddly comfortable than the unknown, which you know, is even stranger. I know that you know that's a that's a good point, Bill. Because, um, like like for me, you know, I, I, there was no time in my life that if you would have asked me, I wouldn't have said that I was depressed. I, I always was. I, I knew that. And uh, and I kind of became comfortable in it, to tell you the truth. I, you know, there were enough, uh, like, there were enough songs on the radio that kind of were uh, angst-driven and sad, and, and I could listen to those and, and kind of feel at home with the, whoever the singer was at the time. And, uh, and, um, and I sort of befriended my depression, and, and then I thought, you know what? I could parlay this. I could build my whole life around my depression. I could, <laughs> right. I could write books on it, and I could preach about, through it. And, I, and that angst and everything. I'll be a better counselor, a better teacher, a better preacher, a better uh, counselor. I'll, everything could be better because I'm depressed. Well, what if God doesn't want me to be depressed? What uh, What if He wanted me to be free from that? Well, I'm not giving up my depression. My my goodness, that's part of who I am. Well. So I started thinking, um, wait a minute, who says I have to keep being the way I've always been? Maybe God wants me to try something else. Maybe he wants to do something different in me. Maybe, you know, the Bible keeps saying, look, I'm doing a new thing. God's always saying that in the Bible. Look, it's a new thing I'm doing. What if he wants to do a new thing in John Westfall? Mm -hmm. How how, would I let him? Right. Would Would I allow that? 
or say, no, no, Lord, why don't you go fix someone else? I'm okay with my stuff, you know. <laughs> and and uh, and and I think um, I had to come to grips with: Am I willing to let go of my baggage in order to experience the freedom to move forward as the the new creation that God wants me to be? That really is what it came down to. That's a very big statement you just made, John, because that's that's what a lot of people are thinking right now, maybe with a mm-hmm. mild bit of panic in them. Sure. Am I willing to put yeah. this behind me to to step into the life God truly wants me to live? Well, of course, because the thing is, what, what if I leave that behind and I'm ready to step into the new life and then uh, it doesn't work out the way I thought? <laughs> well. What if God isn't there to catch me when I fall? What, what if, uh, what if, what if, what if? You know, yeah. It's always, what if? And, and the, the thing is, we need to take that risk. We need to take that risk, and we need to say, um, Lord, do that new thing in me. I like that. So maybe that's answering my question, but I'm just thinking with a couple minutes left to go, John, maybe sure. a practical application, maybe a little additional advice uh, you can offer for you know, a different future for people? And how does the Holy Spirit help in changing the way we think? Uh, yes, let's talk about that. Because um, the, the Holy Spirit, the Bible tells us, uh, works on, on a couple of different levels. To, uh, the, the verse says that the Spirit works for us to will and to do according to God's good pleasure. So there's two parts of that, that, that our will, our intentions, our, our choosing, that actually the Holy Spirit's at work inside of us to help us make those good choices already. And then once we say, okay, I'm ready, you know, I'm, I'm willing this, I'm, I'm willing to follow you, Lord, I'm willing to take some new steps, I'm willing to let go of some of this past stuff, I'm willing to actually forgive some people. So then... Uh, the Holy Spirit's at work to help us do it. I like reading the last line of a book because I think those are, it's a difficult sentence to write. And you say, when we choose to be grateful and to let go of our fears, it opens the door for forgiveness, reconciliation, contentment, fearless courage, and authenticity. Great sentence. Thanks. Wow, that is good. I know. <laughs> wow, whoever wrote that, I'm going to tell them. <laughs> There's some big words in there. Forgiveness, yeah. reconciliation, contentment. Yep. I don't know how often that word comes up, contentment, mm-hmm. um, and fearless courage and authenticity. I think these are all things we yep. we all want. And if we're stuck in the past and we're not able to get what God wants us to have in life, we need to be saying right. to God, I need to let go of uh, yesterday, right, and you know, Bill, you're you're so right, and um, and you're very, you're actually a really good interviewer, by the way, too. Wow, I've done a bunch of interviews over the years, and you're a really good interviewer. So thank you for for doing that. You're embarrassing but, me. Continue. <laughs> but anyway, the point the point is though that um, it's gratitude that opens us up to this. Otherwise, mm-hmm. our fears are blocked, or we we worry about what we don't have yet, or what we're missing, and and we don't see what we do. But but when we start to practice gratitude, which I don't think comes naturally, I think it's something that we have to choose. I agree. Work on. Um, as that starts to seep in, though, 
all of a sudden we do start to experience things like fearless courage and contentment and reconciliation and healing and all those things. We start to be real and the forgiveness happens, but that flows out of an attitude in which we're able to be thankful, not just for what we have. That's one thing. But how about thankful for who we are? Amen. For for the for the the men and women that we are, that we become, um, the gifts that we have that, that God planted those seeds and and you know we have a life that matters and and can matter to people around us. Yeah, and um, that's very powerful. Yeah, John, really a delight. John F. Westfall has been my guest. What does the F stand for, Frank? No, that was my dad's name. Uh, I was named after Francis the Talking Mule, I think, who was uh, really big when I was born. <laughs> <laughs> That's nothing to be proud of. Thanks, John, for coming, for coming on the show. You've really been fun. Hey, good. Thank you, Bill. I really appreciate it. God bless. Yeah, John Westfall has been my guest. His book is called Live Like There's No Yesterday. Discover the freedom of leaving the past behind. All right, we'll take a little break. we come back. Hour two is coming up. It's an encore presentation. Dr. Peter Kapsner and I are going to be talking once again to Pastor Raleigh Washington. Just an absolutely wonderful discussion. I'll be right back. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.